Here I am in uh, Megiddo, also known as Armageddon. It's talked about in Revelation chapter 16. And I'm going to go over that, some scriptures related to it, some other prophecies related to it. But before I do, I'm going to turn this over to uh, my super guide here, Neil DeCallo, who will tell you a little bit about the background of this town. Uh, thank you, Dr. Thiel. Uh, we are here in the Valley of Armageddon. And in this Valley of Armageddon, in uh, talking about the city of Megiddo, we are talking about a very important intersection. We have to go back to the Bible. If you go back to the Bible, uh, uh, during King Solomon, you, we know King Solomon married uh, 1,000 uh, wives. Among those wives were the daughter of the Pharaoh from Egypt. As a, as a gift, by marrying the daughter of uh, Pharaoh, he was getting three cities, and among those city, three cities, he was getting the city of Armageddon, which is uh, right in front of us, and this is the valley uh, right here. This city is extremely important because it's right on Via Maris. What is Via Maris? It's the old route from east and west, from Assyria to Egypt, and on the other side, we have another route, very important one is the root of the salt. In other words, they used to produce salt close to Haifa and send it to the east. And we know that in the east they don't have uh, Mediterranean or uh, where a place where they can produce salt. So we can see that those roots here are very important roots for trade during the biblical time. What King Solomon did in this city, in this town, it's probably the most important military camp for the Israelites at that time. He built a wall over there with gates and as far as we know we had something close to a thousand chariots and horses here. In other words the major place for a war and uh, it was very very important at that time. Very obvious he did it on top of the hill where the water source is all the way down. Now those towns were built on top of the hill in order to be able to protect and to see those roots, the Via Maris on one side and the, the root of the salt on the other side and this way they can protect the whole valley of Jezreel. Uh, uh, maybe back to you Dr. Teo. Thank you very much, Neil. Now, uh, one point that we should probably mention here is that uh, the actual area of Megiddo, Tel Megiddo, has been basically conquered and rebuilt at least 26 times. Just watched a video uh, here, by the way, that said 25, and Neil said to me, no, it's 26. Why? Because they did another level looking down, and they found even more than they found out before. So this is actually very important. So when uh, John was inspired to write the book of Revelation, people pretty much had an idea of some of the history of this particular area. And it was also an important area, it had battles actually in the 20th century. But what about the 21st century? Well, if you've got your Bibles, and I'm going to turn there, but first I'm going to hook this up because it would be hard to open the Bible and hold on to the mic at the same time. All right, you take your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 16, and we're going to read 
starting in verse 12, Revelation 16, starting verse 12. Uh, and this is uh, the bowls of heaven of God being uh, breath of God being poured on the earth. So this is the sixth bowl, chapter 12, verse 12. It says, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. So we're talking about the Euphrates River here. And its water was dried up. Now before I go any further, we've actually had times in recent history where the water in Euphrates has seemed to be drying up. So we're getting close to the time, even carnally speaking, this could be fulfilled. And since its water was dried up, so that the this is a real reason here though, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Now the kings of the east, actually that this word means, the Greek word means kings of the sunrise. So most likely we're talking about people from uh, China, uh, uh, Korea, and those kind of places. I had someone try to tell me that uh, this has to do with people living right by the Euphrates, but that isn't actually where the sunrise would be considered, in my view. Notice verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet. Now, the beast is the beast, European beast power that will rise up, and the false prophet is the one also known as the, the Antichrist, who I believe will be an antipope. Verse 14, For they are the spirit of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So notice that demons actually come out with these demons. That's actually what persuades people to come over here. I mean, you've got this book. You'd think these people read the book, especially because most of them are going to have some indirect allegiance to some version of Christianity or something, uh, or the Bible. They, they know they shouldn't come. But it says demons are going to come and deceive them, so they're going to come out and do that. Verse 15, this is the words of Jesus. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Verse 16, and they gathered them together in a place in Hebrew called Armageddon. And that's where we are here, the Valley of Megiddo. Now a lot of people think that this is the battle of Armageddon, and that there's a battle that actually occurs here. But actually, that's not where this particular battle will occur. This is going to be a staging ground. There's been a staging ground throughout history. And yes, there have been a lot of battles here throughout history. But here people are just going to stage before they have a battle. If you go further in this chapter, in verse 17, you'll see the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air. A loud voice came out of the temple of heaven saying from the throne, It's done. The great city is going to be divided in verse 19. Islands flee, flee, flee away. Verse 21, there's going to be great hailstones. If you go further... And you can go into chapter 19, you find out how this battle ends. And basically what it says is, the kings of the world become the kings of God and our Christ, and he's going to reign forever. Which means that the beast and the false prophet, the Antichrist, lose. Now you say, okay, you probably already knew that. But did you know that Catholic prophecy has the opposite view? Catholic prophecy actually says, at least two of one or two of them that I found, that the Antichrist wins this particular battle. Not Jesus. You say, huh? Why would he do that? I'm afraid that's part of Satan's plan to get people to actually fight. When Jesus returns and these people, the beast and false prophet, are uh, taken away. Actually, let, let's, go, let's, let's go there first. If we go down to uh, verse 17 of chapter 19. It says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come together for the supper of the great God. But this isn't the kind of supper 
you and I would like to participate in necessarily. Listen to this, verse 18. That you might eat on the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and on those who sit on them, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, both small and great. Verse 19. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse, against him and his army. Verse 20. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. And that false prophet again is the Antichrist, who works signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and who worshipped his image. So people are not just going to fall for this because of economic pressure, but they're actually going to see signs and wonders, just, and they're going to believe that they have to, to listen. And it says, those who received the, the uh, mark of the beast or worshipped image, anyway, these two were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and then the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. That was verse 21. So what we see here is this particular battle. Jesus Christ and God's side basically wins this particular war, this particular battle, which again will be staged here over in Megiddo. Yet Catholic prophecy oddly says that Antichrist wins that. They did not get that from this Bible. The mystic who I recall reading, who came up with this particular prophecy, uh, had other bizarre ones. She's actually considered a Catholic saint, even though one or two of her visions have been declared basically false by the former Pope uh, Benedict XVI. What's, why is this important? People are going to actually fight against Jesus Christ after he returns. Not just this particular battle, those who survive, who still are loyal to the beast power, even though the beast itself will be gone, will think that the Antichrist has come and the Antichrist has set up his kingdom on the earth and he'll actually fight against Christ. It's an unusual part of Satan's plan that most people are not aware of. And again, part of the stage is set here in Megiddo and then the outcome is going to be exactly what this book says. Not what Catholic prophecy says, but according to the Apostle Peter, we have the sure word of prophecy right here if we listen to what the Word of God says. This is Dr. Bob Peel from Megiddo.